Welcome to the Birds Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Les Bowen and EJ Smith. Uh, Paul Domowicz is sitting this one out. Hey, guys, what's going on? How's it going? I'm good. All righty. Uh, it's uh, the Thursday before the Eagles' third game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 0-2. Obviously an up- uphill climb to get back into this. Since 2008, 107 teams have started the season 0-2, and only 12 have gone on to reach the playoffs. Uh, you know, I know talking about the playoffs at this point is kind of meaningless, but we've seen this team rebound and, and we they've shown resiliency before. This is obviously a little more dire than than the straights that they've encountered before. But the Bengals do offer a chance uh, to get back in this thing. This is a team that's also 0-2 and certainly in the middle of a rebuilding with a new quarterback, Joe Burrow, and a bunch of other younger players uh, in key spots. I want to focus first, guys, on the Bengals' offense, which has some similarities to the Rams' offense, which may not bode well for the Eagles' defense, although they do have the advantage of having seen something similar the week before, although they got completely overmatched against the Rams. You know, Zach Taylor... Worked under Sean McVay, certainly took some of what he does with a lot of the pre-snap motions and tight formations and naked boots, et cetera, pass at play actions. Do you feel like this defense will be able to kind of learn from their mistakes? You know, Jim Schwartz talked about how he probably didn't have the correct game plan last week. He simplified things and, and instead probably should have had a more complex game plan which you said would have narrowed the focus for players rather than them having to kind of work focus on so much. Uh, what do you guys think? Are they going to be ready this week? I think this will tell us whether Schwartz was just trying to, you know, take the pressure off his terrible players or whether there was really something to that. Uh, you know, like you said, this will be a very similar situation. I don't think the Bengals have nearly the talent. Les, uh, you're you're a little murmured. Uh, I can't I can't hear. You. Can you speak a little more in the? Absolutely, yes. There we go. Much better. There we go. I couldn't hear you. Yeah, I, I had a little farther away from me. I, I should have, I guess. Uh, I was just saying that I think uh, that this will be a good test uh, of of what Schwartz said. If it's really substantive, or if he was just trying to cover for players who weren't very good. Um, it is a similar system with less talent, I think, but. Uh, you know, this will tell us whether they are really capable of withstanding, you know, a good quarterback. I think even though Burrow's a rookie, it's not going to be like they're going to fool him with a whole bunch of stuff and he's going to throw six interceptions or something. It's uh, I think he's a substantive quarterback, and I think we're going to find out, uh, you know, whether this defense is viable or not. I actually feel like this might be the the game where we finally see the Eagles defensive line produce at the level that, you know, was expected going into the year. I mean, that's the thing that jumped out to me when I was doing my research on the game is that the Bengals offensive line has been terrible this year. Um, You know, Joe Burrow is probably holding on to the ball a little bit longer than he should at times. Um, And he has his he's most successful when they run empty sets, um, which, you know, I feel like will play to the Eagles defensive line's advantage because, they don't have to worry about the threat of the run, even though they don't always worry about it all that much anyway. It's even more just like pin your ears back and get there. So I think that that might be, you know, like the, the glimmer of hope 
that they'll be able to, you know, finally put together a game that looks like what you thought this team would look like is, you know, that Bengals offensive front is not very good. Yeah, well, we saw that. yards rushing that the uh, Rams had Sunday was yeah. the key to their whole thing. You know, it was uh, <clears throat> the Eagles just couldn't figure out what they were going to get hit with next. And I don't think the Bengals can really pull that off. Well, I mean, Joe Mixon's a better runner than any anything that the Rams have, so that I'd be concerned about that. Uh, you you do make a good point though that the offensive line is not strong, and, and the Eagles should be able to win that win a lot of those battles up front. But that's that was the kind of the problem last week was that the Rams were getting into they were they stayed committed to the run early, and they were able to get themselves into third and short, and you know that's that's a tough task for almost any yeah. defense. Yeah. And certainly for the Eagles and their front, if they want to get to the quarterback. And again, they've been able to hang their hat on stopping the run these last four years. Jim was certainly right in saying that they were one of the best run defenses in the league over the last four years. And that just wasn't the case this past Sunday. And, you know, I think some of that falls certainly on the guys up front, but I think a lot of it falls on the linebackers. And the Eagles just don't have that guy in the middle. You know, I, I like TJ Edwards. I think he's a pretty good run stopper. He's a better run stopper than he is a pass defender. He's your Mike linebacker whenever they're in base. But, you know, uh, Nate, Nate Gary isn't very instinctive against the run. And then you have Duke Riley. And I would say the same about him as well. Um, but, you know, I agree that the guys up front have to do a better job. And I think part of the problem was they were able to kind of get – they ran a lot of uh, end-arounds uh, and naked boots – uh, and, and, and basically kept those ends off balance and kept them from setting the edge, which you need to do against the run. Um, but Mixon's tough. I mean, he's a really good running back. And but they, you know, they've shut down good running backs before. So I do agree that I think it's kind of, um, you know, they have the capabilities. I guess the bigger question I think for for this defense beyond linebacker is safety play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you? Wh- is you know I think Rodney McLeod's Rodney McLeod, but what about right. Jalen Mills? Can he can he learn you know the ins and outs of playing that position fast enough to get this defense back on track? I think he's smart enough, but it's uh, it, they really were naive in thinking this was like a you wave a magic wand and a guy who's been a corner for four years but has slid down to safety in some situations is going to just be Malcolm Jenkins. You know, it's, it's not that simple. And uh, I've been disappointed, frankly, in what I've seen from him. Of course, Sunday was horrible for almost everybody on the, but he missed a big tackle on that 40 yard run. Uh, it was in a one-on-one with Daryl Henderson and just didn't, you know, come close to, to stopping him. Uh, he needs to recognize things. I think that's part of the red zone situation. Unless you're getting, mu- I can't hear you again. <laughs> okay, maybe I need to move here. Maybe I need to be somewhere else. But anyway, the uh, I think that's part of the red zone situation. Is that uh, you know Mills isn't diagnosing things and getting people in the right spots, and I think that's a huge concern. Yeah, I mean he he definitely. I don't know if bristled is the right word, but he definitely you know was tired of answering questions about how much the defense misses Malcolm, but there's a reason that those questions are being brought up. And it's because I do think that, you know, going into the season, I said to myself, I said, one of the things that could tank their season is just the fact that they, they didn't have the best plan to 
to fill what they lost when they lost Malcolm Jenkins. Um, and, you know, Jalen Mills, he's, I think he's been all right against the run at times. I mean, again, last week everybody was bad. But I thought in week one he did decent against the run. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just Malcolm had a lot of roles in the defense. And I think that they are sort of learning right now how valuable that was last year. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, resigning or not cutting Malcolm was the best thing to do because, I mean, you saw he struggled against um, the Raiders on Monday night. But, um, but the contingency plan they had, you know, seemed like it was a risk going into the year. Right. Well, I mean, well, yeah, right. This is a debate I used to have with Joe Banner all the time. He would sort of – whenever they got rid of some guy that, that was past his prime or got hurt when he went to a different team – but the issue is you have to replace that guy with somebody better. You know, it's not you didn't win just because the guy isn't that good and didn't deserve the money. You win when you have a better as good or a better player in his place. And that happened over and over again. And I think that's quite frankly, exactly what's happened here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wrote the story about uh, Malcolm earlier this week about how his, his vacancy in the middle is being felt. Now, you know, that wasn't strictly about how Malcolm, you know, Eagles making the right decision or not in letting Malcolm go because he, he wanted more money and he wanted more guaranteed money in 2021. And I can certainly see why they, they felt like this wasn't worth it to them. You know, maybe he had one more year out, out of him, but two years and his play was certainly declining in terms of his athleticism. But how did you replace him? And this goes back to the draft in some respects. And the guy that the Eagles were going to take, from what I know, and I'm about 99.9% sure of this, was if it wasn't going to be Jalen Hurts in the second round, it's going to be Jeremy Chin. He was the next guy on their board based on their grade and also on a little bit of need. And they took Jalen Hurts, obviously, instead. And Chin now plays for the Panthers. And apparently, you know, Daniel Jeremiah did some film review of him. And I heard from even someone in the Eagles organization who said that he's playing, he's playing, he looks legit and he can play right away. Now he's going to have some hiccups here and there. It's hard to play safety right off the bat in the NFL, but that just goes back to helping this team right away versus the long-term. And Chin, Chin probably would have been a, a short-term and a long-term guy because he would have, he would have, right. I think, you know, conceivably, been better equipped to play that position than than Jalen Mills because you could start him right away, and this is a guy that you would have long term. He'd be your one of your safeties for for an extended period, and you just it's just one example of of roster construction and how maybe the Eagles just didn't get it right this all season. Look, I'm willing to give Mills a little time here. We're just two games into this, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to focus a little bit more on that. I mean, it's been a yeah. bad two weeks, but. Um, Right now, the defense, if you look at the middle, it's, it's, it's not getting the job done. Right. Um, uh, injuries. Fletcher Cox, at least I'm going to stick to the defensive side of the ball. Fletcher Cox has an oblique strain. Uh, he got hurt early in the game. We saw him being uh, the back on the sidelines. He, they were, he was like icing his back or heating it or something. He was doing something to it, and he kept playing. But he didn't practice Wednesday. The Eagles are saying day-to-day, but we don't know for certain whether he'll be ready to play by Sunday. Right. That would be a, a huge loss for the Eagles. Um, they're pretty much healthy on the rest of, you know, uh, Vinnie Curry, we know, is out for a while. But 
Darius Slay, Vontae Maddox, and nobody else on the defensive side of the ball is hurt. So they should be good to go at most of the other positions, right? Am I missing anyone, guys? Uh, well, Rudy Ford, but he's a special teamer. Um, yeah, and, and, and Will yeah. Parks, who's not been in the picture because he got hurt early, but I think they could certainly use him in the picture. That kind of plays to what we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, we got Omar Epps. I mean, not Omar Epps. <laughs> Common <laughs> mistake, right? Mark yeah. Zepps, uh, boy, there was an early play where he just was completely lost, and you know he's playing the dime right now, and he's just in some certain some circumstances. But uh, I, I'm a little surprised they haven't put Cravon LeBlanc in that spot. Yeah, I think he is too. I mean, I know Epps <laughs> gives you a little more size, which is what you probably want because uh, you need him to match up against linebackers, and maybe Cravon doesn't do that for you. But Cravon's a much better cover guy. And just overall, if you have a really bad defense and Cravon LeBlanc is getting three snaps, uh, maybe you need to look at that. Yeah. 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 I don't think Cravon LeBlanc's like the savior. Um, and I know he's a huge fan favorite, but uh, Strap, I think. Uh, he's a enough. solid player. You know, yes. I, he, I don't blame everything that happened, obviously, on Nickel Roby Coleman last week, but. I haven't seen Cravon look that bad in the nickel role in quite a while, if ever. Yeah, uh, I wonder. Yeah. This was the guy who kept talking about how he was telling his teammates this, he was telling his teammates that, and he he had no idea what was going on there, it looked like to me, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, on the outside, uh, Darius Slay has been a bright spot, and, you know, A.J. Green will probably – I don't know if he's going to follow A.J. A.J. doesn't look quite like the A.J. of old. No. No. So I don't know if that's a, you know, a strictly a man cover kind of follow him thing for Darius Slay, um, but Tyler Boyd's certainly um, a handful, can be a handful. T. Higgins is a, is the rookie they brought in. He's played a little more of the slot. Um, Joe Burrow. I yeah. mean, is this is this an offense that you should be fearful of beyond just uh, Joe Mixon? I think if, if the Eagles' offense doesn't play well, I think the Eagles need to score some points and take some pressure off their defense this week. I, it's not a great offense, but Joe Burrow's for real. And, it, again, it's not going to be like facing that kid that the Jets threw out there last year. You know, it, it's, it's going to be – he's going to complete some passes. And I, from what I've seen of this defense, I don't think we can really – count on them just snapping into some shutdown mode after a week of film study. I, I really think the offense is going to have to control the ball, which I think it can do, and, uh, you know, score points consistently in this game. Well, that's a good segue into the into the offense. And, you know, they were able to move the ball somewhat against the Rams, not not particularly a great defense, but, you know, there was a, there's enough guys on that, on that unit and when you have Aaron Donald uh, – yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're obviously going to be more stout up front than most teams. The Bengals don't have much of a defense. I mean, I'm looking at the roster here, the the death chart here, and you know there, there aren't many guys that that would scare me. Um, yeah. Their run Hackett. defense has actually been worse than, or not worse, but as bad as the Eagles were last week. You know, uh, right? And certainly, you've got a healthy Miles Sanders. Uh, I think you want to start right there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a multiple front. Uh, Geno Atkins kind of isn't what Geno Atkins used to be. Uh, Carlos Dunlap is still there. Um, the question, I guess, is is 
really is going to fall on Carson. I mean, Carson has to bounce back here. I thought he would last week. He he might have been worse than he was in the first game. And it wasn't just the interception, the, the costly interception to JJ. Mm-hmm. There was just some misthrows and throws that he made and misthrows and guys that were open that he just kind of uh, didn't see on the field. What, what's your feel? What's your read on Carson? We heard from him on Wednesday saying that he's he's as confident as, ever, as he's ever been. I got to believe that probably isn't the case. But he is a confident guy, and I do feel like he can turn this around. It's been six bad quarters if you take away the first two of the season. What's your, what's your read, guys? What's gonna, what are you going to see out of Carson this Sunday? Well, I think he's certainly been chastised enough to – maybe not make any uh, really ridiculous uh, attempts to make a huge play that low percentage type play. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's up with a lot of these misses. I really don't. Uh, I, I don't know if the coaching is, is part of it. I, I just, uh, it, I, I think they'll take the pre- some of the pressure off of him by running the ball Um but uh, without Jalen Rager, uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see what he has out there. I don't think his weapons are really anything to write home about right now. <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, we still haven't seen if Deshaun Jackson can really make a difference. They only targeted him in the second half last week and he caught six passes on nine targets. Uh, if they would have thought of that earlier, they might have done better. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what. To, to think of Carson. I, I think he is reasonably confident, but I just don't know that he has all of his ducks in a row, that he's in sync with these guys, that he trusts his receivers, that, you know, that he's seeing the right things right now. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like on, on the Tuesday pod, I, I, I was ready to bury the team. Um, <laughs> and I feel like let's just looking at the matchup, I think that if they are going to turn this thing around, I mean, just like looking at what the Bengals defense has given up so far throughout the first two games, like if this is, I feel like this is their opportunity. You know, it's like the Bengals are one of the worst teams against the run. So, you know, you, you set up, you hopefully you can insulate Carson a little bit more with Miles Sanders and, you know, just taking advantage of that. And, you know, if if it is a timing thing, you know that that keeps coming up as oh well, he hasn't had enough time with these young receivers to develop chemistry. If it is a timing thing, that eventually this is going to have to, you know, turn around. And if they're going to turn it around again, it's going to probably be against this defense as opposed to some of the defenses they're going to go up against later in the year. Yeah, the timing thing is, you know, you might have said that in the first week, but the second week, you know, he, right. he missed Dallas Goddard. He missed, you know, Ertz. He missed, you know, like that. That doesn't that that excuse just doesn't fly. Um, doesn't have much salt to it. Right. Um, and, you know, and he had plenty of time. The offensive line did its job in week one. I mean, Miles Sanders ran for nearly 100 yards. Uh, Carson, I think, was hit only two times. I mean, he had plenty of time in the pocket. Yeah. And, you know, I imagine he will this week, unless you talked about the offensive line uh, before we became in the po- podcast. And there's another loss, Isaac Sayomalo. So they're down three starters again. And, they're gonna. It sounds like they're gonna move Nate Herbig to left guard and Matt Pryor's gonna be at right guard. But I still feel like you know with Jason and and uh, Lane and, and and JP they have enough up front to kind of move the pieces and and get 
miles going on the ground. And if you can do that, then that should help. That should help Carson. Um, yeah, I, I think what Carson is, he's pressing too much and he's trying to strap the bat team on his back and, and be the Superman. And I just feel like he doesn't have sometimes the, the capabilities to do that because his throwing is not great. His accuracy when he's, when his mechanics are off, it just gets, it gets kind of ugly. And right now it's a little ugly. And I, I do feel like the chemistry is, is a, is a factor in that. And that, you know, at the wide receiver, you don't, besides Deshaun, you just don't have guys that have proven it in the league or done it in the league. And, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, for instance, dropping a key third down early, and he's going to have to be out there more with Jalen Rager hurt. You're going to have to play a lot of 12 personnel. You're going to have to um, play throw underneath. You do have Deshaun to stretch the field. But they didn't even take one shot uh, on Sunday. Yeah. And, and Carson said, you know, after the game, he said it was the it was the Rams' defense. But then on Wednesday, he said it was more the game plan. Um, I don't know if that's – I mean, I think that's not – a winning game plan if you're not going to try. I think Jalen Ramsey really, uh, you know, I think they were really respectful of him, uh, you know, maybe too much. Um, but since they did have a clean pocket and since the Rams didn't blitz, maybe there would have been an opportunity to do that. Uh, I think know. Carson missed guy. Like there was a, there was a uh, red zone play where it wasn't red zone. It was 25 yard line or something like that where Deshaun had to step on a guy uh, in single coverage, no safety help. Uh, into the end zone and, and Carson didn't throw it and he just he's just not seeing the field like he needs to see it yeah um, yeah I mean if you're gonna have I know that Rager's out for a little while now but if you're gonna have Rager and Deshaun out there in 12 and you're not gonna take shots on the field then I mean like what's the point of having those guys out there at that point you know right. it's like like the whole point of having those two fast guys out there is to keep safeties back and take those shots because you have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz to you know sort of operate in the intermediate but if you're not going to take the shots, then, you know, having two burners is kind of a waste. Well, th- this is the problem with, you know, the way the team has been constructed on offense is that you got two tight ends that are going to – they both want to get their 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 plays, their you know, their snaps. And, I mean, you understandably so. They're two very good tight ends. But you spent this offseason trying to get speed on the outside. And if you're going to run 12 personnel, you're taking one receiver off the field and look, to win in this league, you got to play enough eleven personnel. You know, look, I, you get some favorable matchups with those two tight ends. I get it. You force teams to to play nickel or dime. If you do that, you can run at them with bigger blockers. But that doesn't work. You just can't grind out drives. I mean, Carson said this off season that the one thing he wanted to add to this offense was explosive plays, and we've really only seen one so far. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I just I don't know if this team has an identity. It certainly doesn't have an identity yet. And I don't know if they're going to be able to have that the identity they want, a winning identity, if they can't if they can't have guys to make explosive plays out there on the field. And now you're missing Rager for at least a month. Right. I mean, this is I love. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's got a thumb injury. So that's going to force more of J.J. Ortega Whiteside, more of John Ty- Hightower, who clearly is not ready. And then more Greg Ward, who's a nice receiver, but he's not going to give you much down the field. No, right. But this uh, this this turned into a kind of a depressing uh, podcast. <laughs> well, again, we're just talking about the beating the Bengals right now, and I think they can just beat the Bengals by by running the ball. And uh, I don't think they necessarily have yeah. to throw a right. lot. Uh, 
but they do have to keep control of the ball and keep uh, I would keep uh, Joe Burrow and that offense off the field I really would given the state of the Eagles defense right now as we perceive it well, what are some of the matchups? If you look at the defensive side of the ball, I mean, is, what are some of the matchups that that uh, uh, that fans should be keyed on? I mean, geez, I mean, look at the cornerbacks: uh, William Jackson, uh, Darius Phillips. I mean, these aren't these aren't guys that I would be, you know, like Deshaun should be able to kind of blow the lid off. You know, yeah. Bob Bell's a nice safety. He used to be with New Orleans. I mean, that yeah. was he, that was pretty much who Malcolm replaced essentially, Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, do you do do you kind of do you like the slot matchup? If you go Mackenzie Alexander versus uh, Greg Ward, I mean, are we are we just are we focused too much on the passing game? And this is just going to be a run run the ball down their throats type of game. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is like I feel yeah. like the matchup is more just Eagles offensive front versus the, the Bengals front seven as a, a the ad, the advantage for the Eagles. How do you how do you fix Carson though? Besides, like I mean, in terms of his throwing. I mean, obviously, getting the run game going is going to help him. But you know, do I mean, do they need to do more of moving him out of the pocket? We saw more of that on Sunday than we did in the opener. But would you keep doing that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I agree that it's it definitely works a lot better. But do you think there's anything to maybe he's not interested in it as much as other people are? Maybe like maybe that's what it is because it seems so obvious. It seems like something has to be, you know, the reason that it's not happening. You know, you raise a good question in that the whole narrative about him being injured all the time has to really grate on him. especially the way it went last year where he didn't get injured through 16 games and then got a concussion in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I just wonder if he wants to avoid those situations at all costs. Uh, there was the, the, the interception that we've all talked about so much. Uh, he was bootlegging out and he made the decision to make that real long throw downfield to a guy that wasn't really that open. Uh, he threw it late. He could have just taken off there and gained a good bit of yardage. Yeah. And it just seems like that sort of thing is like, unless there are four people hanging on him, he doesn't want to try that at all, you know. Uh, and that was a big part of who he was when he came into this league and when he was an MVP candidate. And if it's not there anymore, uh, you know, as a pocket passer, he's kind of ordinary, really. Um, yeah, I think I think some of it's a prideful thing. I mean, I think, you know, Carson does have the arm strength to be – Sure. A really yeah. good pocket thrower, and you have to be a good pocket thrower in this league to be uh, to play to cert, you know to be elite, right? To to win. Um, but I think he thinks he's more of that than he really is. Uh, yeah. And so when he's stationary, and you know we talked a little bit about this on on Tuesday, but I, you know he doesn't make the easy mechanical decision. He just kind of reverts to some of the off-balance throws that he's so good at. He's so good at throwing on the move and throwing uh, out of, you know, different positions. And and I just feel like he needs to be more of that guy. And the Eagles need, need to make him more – be more of that guy. He, he doesn't want to be a game manager, you know, and, and that's maybe something he probably needs to do a little more of. And certainly, I think, in these next few weeks, just to get him more comfortable right. – you know, just kind of make yeah. it easier on Carson. Don't place so much pressure on Carson. I, I you know, I don't, I don't think they are. I think it's Carson who's doing it to himself. Sure. And then we saw it last season. 
when they the last four games when they really got things going, it was when Alshon got hurt and you know Miles is hurt for a little bit there. You had you had a bunch of no names at at key spots and you know they they didn't have in some respects the personnel to to have a fancy offense right so they just kind yeah, of yeah. worked it down the field again you, that's not always going to be a winning winning formula in the NFL but they just got to kind of slug out through slug you know they got to get a win right now and then work right. out what's yeah. the idea yeah, yeah. um does it look if they don't i mean if they don't win this game oh and 3 right they're, are they done <laughs> Well, technically, no, but you know, <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. Technically, no, although I, yeah. I think in the last whatever how many years, only the, I think it was the, two thousand and thirteen Texans went zero and three, made the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, and that and at that point, that extra wild card spot doesn't really matter. You know, like yeah. the the stat, the numbers are a little skewed this year just because you have that extra wild card spot in the playoffs. But if you go down zero and three, I mean, and we haven't even started talking about the three games they have after the Bengals game. I mean. I think it would be effectively done at that point. Yeah, I do too. And I, 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 there is a this whole training camp thing. I mean, there's a two percent chance that they have a really good team, and that Doug didn't do a very good job of getting them ready for the season. When he keeps talking about training camp and they didn't have this and they didn't have that, you know, obviously other teams have come into the season a little better prepared than they have. Uh, assuming that this is not an untalented team, it's conceivable that they could go 0-3 and, and then run off, you know, suddenly click into gear. But realistically, that's, you know, that's over the moon. I mean, it's just not very realistic at all. Uh, but, you know, it is a weird year. There is an extra wild card spot. Uh, you know, to getting to 8-8 eight and eight from 0-3, and it wouldn't be impossible, but you'd have to really – Everything would have to change. It would have to use, like that year that the uh, Giants won the Super Bowl with the Di- David Tyree catch. Uh, Two thousand and seven, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. When they were a bad team, you know, halfway through the season and then suddenly caught fire. Uh, but that's a that's a one in a million thing. It really is. Well, and and especially with the way that the schedules lined up, with you got a West Coast trip to to San to Santa uh, Santa Clara to play play the 49ers now the 49ers are really beat up so maybe that, that yeah. they have a favorable matchup there but then that follows with a road trip to Pittsburgh against a you know, team that's always solid and well coached and and good and yeah. then you got the Ravens who may be the best team in the NFL so yeah. it's that's a tough three game stretch I, I wish I wish we could be in the locker room I could get a better feel for the yeah. team and, yes. and where you know where things stood with the leaders there are leaders on this team I asked Doug about it this this past week and he rattled off a bunch of names uh, I just wonder if there's a leader in the locker room who's going to call guys out and yeah yeah you like the way Malcolm would Malcolm wasn't afraid to crack some eggs to make an omelet and I you know I think Jay I think Jason Peters certainly can do that although he he picks his spots when he wants to talk or not Jason Kelsey uh can do that uh I don't know who can do that on the defensive side of the ball that's well, the Graham concern could. Who? But Graham, Graham's kind of a nicer guy. Yeah, he's good. like, you know, he gets guys up with his energy. He's an energy right. guy. Fletch is more of like kind of a follow-by-example guy. He's not really much of a talker. Rodney McLeod 
will talk, but I don't think I think I don't think he's the type of guy that's gonna he's, he wants to he's gonna rub guys the wrong way. He's willing to rub guys the wrong way. Jalen Mills maybe, but Jalen I mean you gotta you gotta play well to kind of speak right. up, you know. Yes. So that I well I, Slay I, Slay could be that kind of guy, but he's so new here, you know. Then and, that's, and a, that's an impediment. You know. Yeah, and he, I think he's more of an energy guy. He's even said it himself. He's like, he's like, I'm, yeah. you know, I just like to keep things light, and he's, he's a really funny guy. I think he's a great guy to have in the locker room when things are going well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's if that stuff goes over well when things aren't going well. Right. No, there's a, there's, I mean, Les, you picked it up. I didn't listen to Chris Long's podcast, but, uh, you know, he said there's a void, and he would know. Yeah, actually, I mean, EJ forwarded that yeah. to me. Give him credit here. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, some of the things Chris said, there was more to it that I didn't feel was really on point. Chris somehow is under the impression that they're still trying to win with the Super Bowl nucleus. And that's not, you know, that's not the deal. They're trying to rebuild. But uh, but that was true. He, he spoke about a void of leadership and, uh, you know, you, you kind of the opener more than anything else sort of gave off that vibe quite a bit you know, blowing the 17 nothing lead into a 27-17 loss and never getting it turned around, you know, once you lost it. That's that's all about leadership right there. Yeah, and Jim said it himself. I mean, you know, response to adversity. Yes. Do they have the guys to turn this thing around? And, you know, there's still a lot of guys that were, you know, that were part of those last three teams that did turn around after Carson's injury in 2017, after – when things seemed dire in 2018 and 2019, but those guys are getting older and do their voices carry as much weight? Yeah. I mean, Carson's got to be the guy. I mean, Carson, this is, you know, part of the reason or the part of the explanation the team gave, at least behind the scenes was that, you know, we wanted Carson to step into the role that Malcolm previously filled. Right. It's just, I wish I knew what the heck was going on. I wish I was in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we're kind of talking around here is something you wrote about last week, which is the reason we're scrambling to find younger leaders is that they haven't drafted good players. Uh, There's a reason, you know, Fletcher Cox is the best defensive player they've drafted in this decade. Uh, It's just you can't make make Gary a leader if he's not very good, you know. that's that's really the crux of the issue to me. Right. You look at the last four drafts and, you know, Carson, or at least five drafts, let's say, Carson was a hit, obviously, and he's he's your leader. Yeah. That was that was that was a great job. But then 2017, Derek Burnett's hardly playing, quiet guy. Sidney Jones no longer on the team, Russell's no longer on the team. Nate's the only other guy from 2017. 2018, you do have some nice picks. You know, you have Dallas yeah. Goddard. Avante Maddox for a fourth rounder is a good pick, and so is Josh Sweat. At least, you know, has the ability to be a, a decent pick. But you're not placing guy. You don't have guys in positions. Now, I think Dallas can probably, but Dallas is kind of a goofball a little bit. Um, 2019, I think Miles Sanders obviously was a good pick, and he's a guy I think that that can really step into that leadership role, and I think will as he as he gets older. Um, but other than that, it's just you know you just got a bunch of hits and misses and, and question marks at this point. Uh, so whatever, it'll be interesting to see how, I mean, I think Sunday will obviously say a lot about where this team is going, um, down or up or, or just hanging in there. 
um, if they do win. Let's just get to the picks real quick. I know if you, I know you guys maybe haven't written them up yet, but I'd like to give them here now before uh, before we part on the podcast. EJ, who do you got on Sunday? So I think I'm going to go Eagles by a field goal, maybe 27-24, maybe like 31-27 okay. or 28. That's not a field goal, but still. Um, yeah, I think that they'll they'll narrowly get it get it done. I mean, I think that the sense of urgency thing is probably going to play into this week. You know, they know that they need this win. Um, and I think that some of the things that didn't go right for the passing game in the last two weeks probably get cleaned up. So, so yeah, I'm going to go the Eagles in a in a narrow victory. Les, I'm kind of thinking along the same lines. Uh, I, I've not been right on a game yet, but uh, <laughs> Eagles game. I've been doing real well on other teams. <laughs> but uh 26 21 something like that uh, right around the the point spread right now i think is probably a pretty good point spread yeah yeah i yeah i guess i'm feeling the same way that they'll they'll find a way to win i yeah i think it's possible they could blow them out they they get everything going yeah okay, cause they have they have more they have more talent than right than the Bengals. And, and, you know, another thing that we never really talk much about is their special teams units seems like they're pretty good this year. And, you know, they, they came up with a big – guys, though. They've lost Greg James and Rudy Ford now. So, yeah. A little bit. But you're right. They have – coverage has been tremendous. Yeah. So, I, I you know, maybe there's a play there that kind of helps uh, them along. Um, so, I think they win. And, and I always go back to, like, the NFL law of averages and just – you know, a team in this position typically, when it's n- not a bad team and it has a good quarterback, et cetera, a good, co- you know, they'll find they'll, they they're, their backs against the wall. They got to find a way to win. Because look again, the margin between the halves or the you know the, the better teams in terms of the record and the not is not that great. A lot of times, it just takes one or two different bounces. Uh, yep. you, you could be two and zero versus zero and two, and there isn't much separation in talent between these teams. So I feel like the Eagles. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for them in terms of the big picture, but I, I think they can get this back on track, and and uh, at least in terms of this week, and then we'll we'll see how things go the final week based upon how they win. If they win ugly, you know, it's probably going to be a long trudge through the season. But if they if they can win convincingly, maybe they can carry that over into San Francisco. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for the Birds Eye View podcast. Uh, Les, EJ, thanks a lot. Damo obviously will be joining us uh, next week when we uh, review the Eagles-Bengals game. Please read all of our stuff at the inquire.com. Tons of stories. You can also sign up for the Early Birds newsletter. Uh, we post those stories online, but uh, uh, there's options to sign up for it. It's, I mean, it's got a lot of people are on it now, apparently. I sound like uh, it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Everybody's reading it. Everybody's reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the early letter. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us for the Birds View podcast. We'll talk to you next time. All righty.